they loving my size Sober up and wipe the crust out my eyes My last integrity and trust, a trailer crumbs for my bride Is it a return or a failure to succumb to the tide? When Charlotte people see folks cherish me, it was such a surprise They seeing something we not, just thought it's sliced open My stomach at five, more often than not That sustenance, a nine for a nine It's stock in the Glock, I'm crashing if it's high for a nine Papa taught me a lot Love and disrespect is all we abide I had to get a check, I wanted to come You need the big DM or Benz for my mom Soon poppin' Benzos turned our grin into mine Soon the long June, the summer after We made the turn on the wrong route For the plunder cast in small rooms Knitting heart looms, spinning something tragic But love from fragments, automatic Just that something magic But my cap and crack for that I puff a raw, pump a baddie Always keep a driver by the caddy While we lugging baggage Niggas want my status, so attack me They just hustling backwards Models and bottles come imagine We prefer the black ones don't need no flashiness, the stats and grass reveal the stature Oh, they hit sad by how it happened, take them out the pasture Niggas won't gas at me or asking my opinion last year We was our only love, struggle to teach you some Twelfth grade, I wrote East with a mirror to go and meet the plug We learned we built this all belief, we ain't even need the drugs I told my mom I'll track DC if it'll please her But the greed don't seem to speak no more The pain hit deeper when your people ain't in reach no more Alright, we're we back, and this week we are can canonical Um... And uh, how are you doing? I'm tired. Just woke up. Uh, getting better with the new schedule, but um, still getting still getting used to it. Um, I I was just made aware uh, yesterday that we were having I was having a conversation with um school officer. It's kind of weird to have to inter interact with a cop daily. Honestly, so that's yeah, that still, yeah, like so, <laughs> interact with a cop daily, which is interesting. Yeah. But um, we were talking about the school and some of like uh like the behavioral kids that go there, and had a conversation about it. And I was like, hey, are there like schools that are designated like more equipped to deal with uh like high risk behavioral kids and uh, things like that? And up the like, that was like a system or a thing that was in place in uh. In the county I work in. And he was like, Oh, actually, that place is here. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> okay. Oh, weird. Yeah. And I wasn't made aware of that. Yeah, it's was, like you work there. You when I was you would know that. When I was hired. So yeah, where I work at is actually uh the designated uh school for high risk behavioral children. Well, that's fun. I mean, you know, whatever. You would think you'd get the warning on that. Yeah, no warning um, at all. <laughs> or not, anything at all. No, Some not one bit. Extra training, something. Yeah, not not mentioned during the process one time. Not mentioned at any point in the, in the couple of weeks in which I've been there. This was the first time in which I learned that information. Oh, that's the guy I work. Well, the that's guy fun. The guy the guy I work with, and he did not know that. Oh, well. This is definitely all checking out really well, I guess. I mean, uh, geez, that is. Huh. All right. Well, I guess you learn something new every day. Uh, hopefully <laughs> not stuff like that. But, you know, what are you going to do? Jeez, uh, <laughs> that's uh, but yeah, having to uh, interact with a cop every day sounds like a nightmare. So I apologize. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, they're uh, obviously like, you know, uh, <laughs> Yeah, some of the some of the conver some of the conversations are uh, interesting yeah. for sure. I tweeted that like yeah, working at a school is like having to like fake laugh your way through like ninety percent of the day, and uh, yeah, 
this is a. Uh, I definitely do that through most of our do it through most of my conversations with uh, with him for sure. <laughs> yeah, part of the usual for me, it feels like I'm set up where I'm like uh, having to cover someone when they're on vacation when there's like, whenever there's like a weird specialized position that someone gets extra training and extra whatever, uh, like and they're all this and that when they go on vacation somehow I'm always the person who has to just cover them like without all the extra training and all the extra mm-hmm. everything just somehow. But uh, so that's caused me to have to interact with some different people from a different group uh, because of that. And one of them I was talking to today and uh, I don't know what was what it was is talking about something, you know, basic normal thing and this and that. And like just talking about like, oh, you know, that sounds like it's a like it's a a scam or whatever like that. Something difficult to deal with, you know. And uh, I was like, yeah, it turns out, you know, the trick is it's just capitalism. You know, they're just trying to get the most work for the least amount of money. That's the that's the trick there um oh, no, and then i'm like oh shit i don't know this person <laughs> you know what i mean like i can't <laughs> like wait hold but on <laughs> in the bubble it's like you can just i feel like you could just say that to anybody and they agree in the bubble that i'm in you know but uh but this is some random person at work like oh shit eh, you know I, I've, I've definitely made some i've definitely made some references to something like to something being like a very white thing to do by nice. like uh the other guy that i work with and like they'll laugh at it and then sometimes i say things and i'm like <laughs> like, I wonder if this is just gonna like not be taken well one day. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like, what do you mean? What do you mean by that? Yeah. Um. Ah, oh, jeez. Well, let's say is there uh, is there any other life stuff? No, uh, we're not gonna get into all the life stuff. There's a ton of stupid bullshit going on. Actually, everything's mo- ah, work sucks ass, but my life stuff is mostly fine. Hopefully, you know, you're getting used to the new job and all that. So. You got that going on. Um, do you care about the AEW, the Dynamite that's ongoing as we record? Any kind of spoiler or anything like that before I go off on a little bit of a diatribe on this? No, I don't care. All right. Uh, do you know anything about what's going on at all? Like on this current episode? No. Yeah, yeah. Or in general, I guess. Oh, um, uh, yeah. yeah. I'm aware of what's going on in general, but I have no, not this well, episode. Just wanted to mention, obviously, the, uh, the Q&T bump. Uh, they Moxley clearly heard our review of Penta versus uh, Viano and begged, pleaded, and asked to get that match with Penta. And every other podcast and every other person you listen to is questioning what the heck is going on here. How does this make any sense? Oh, where's the, uh, you know, where's the 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 scoreboard or whatever the fucking the rankings? How Penta? When's the last time he's won a singles match on TV? All this and that, complaining about it and. Not getting like that. It's clearly he had a kick-ass match, and everyone is talking about it online. And Moxley wanted the fucking match, and that's why it's happening. Like, it, it, was that? Am I crazy that people just don't fucking know that, or are they just they're just being bad faith basically, and they're just trying to use it as a way to dunk on Tony Khan and AEW booking, right? Probably a mix of both, honestly. Yeah, right. Like I imagine people yeah. that are saying that probably aren't aware of the Penta match. Or aware that like someone like Penta is exactly who John Moxley would probably want to do stuff with. So, right. um, yeah. On, on, so honestly, it's probably a combination of both of these things. Yeah, I mean, like I said, clearly Moxley was listening to us last week talk about that match, and he got excited, and he's like, "Yeah, where the fuck is that guy? I want to wrestle that guy too." Um, and and we're gonna get it. Um, and he gets also to one up Punk because Punk had a thoroughly okay match with Penta, um, probably around this time last year. So, and it makes sense. The spooky skeleton guy, the spooky skeleton ninja, you wrestle him uh, for uh, 
Halloween week, right? Doesn't that that not make sense to me? Or am I the mm. only one who gets that? You know, um, so that's going on. The other thing I wanted to talk about um, was watching the episode earlier and the one that's on right now. And the tag team division is the best that it's ever been. Absolutely kicking ass because you've got they had a giant segment with the acclaimed FTR, Swerve in Our Glory, and uh, the Ass Boys. You know, perennial uh, former guest of the show, uh, Brian Quimby's favorites, Ass Boys. Um, and it's the hottest the tag team division's ever been, delivering phenomenal matches constantly. And the Young Bucks are nowhere to be seen, right? I'm just kind of like, what's going on here? Um, and like I, I asked you about, do you care about the uh, the spoiler? Because it's FTR versus Swerve in Our Glory for the number one contenders. And I can see people being like repeating the story that the, everyone's been saying and the upset that everyone's been getting going, oh, FTR have all these titles. Why aren't they getting a title shot? They've been the number one contenders for so long. They're not getting a title shot, blah, 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 this and that, pissing their fucking pants about it over and over again and swerving our glory win and FTR not getting their title shot continue to bump down the line. They're not the number one contenders. And I fucking love it just for the troll of that. But if you watch it, the booking, the storyline, the way the whole thing went is great. The crowd is losing their fucking minds for all of these tag teams. The match, FTR versus Swerve in Our Glory, was absolutely phenomenal. I mean, just a kick-ass TV match. Everything you would want from it, really. Um, I was going to maybe talk about the FTR versus uh, uh, Aussie Open match. It's This is equally as good, just as good, if not better, honestly. And like I said, plays into the storyline, continues like the actual only <laughs> good story. And you know what crossed my mind was thinking about that time in NXT where Bailey was the was kind of the the ace of the of the company and the only one who was having good matches and good storylines where everyone was pretending like uh, NXT takeovers were still just as great as ever. And Finn Balor was actually a good champion. Um, it's like the same thing going on right now, except for like Moxley's still a good champion. But the tag division has actually been the ace of the fucking company for a while. And has good storylines and is intriguing and interesting. You've got phenomenal workers and you've got Swerve, who I think coming out of this story, no matter what ends up happening with him and Keith, is in line to be the top fucking heel in the company. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so yeah, uh, coming out of that, I mean, whatever your thoughts on what I just had to say there, having not seen it. I mean, no, but I feel like Swerve has quiet, like it's been quietly been doing that because you have MJF there and MJF is having his moment at, uh, at the top of the card right now with really no competition for that spot as top heel but yeah Swerve has been quietly building that and you know regardless of what they want up doing with him if it turns into a Keith versus Swerve program if it turns into just Swerve going for uh, a singles belt whether it's versus Orange or uh, going for the TNT title, or if Moxley or another babyface holds the, holds the world title, Swerve is set up really, really, really well, and I'm glad, and I'm glad to see that. And this is the stuff, or why I feel like people need to like take a step back sometimes with um with FTR is that for as great as I think they are, and for as much as I love them, uh, it's 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 easy to just be like. Why aren't they doing this? Why aren't they doing this? Why aren't they doing this? It's easy to do that. But FTR is not breaking up. FTR is going to stay together. You had to get what you could out of Swerve and Keith Lee 
as a team as a team still that you're still trying to get like the most juice out of that FTR if you trust them if you trust those guys trust their understanding of wrestling trust their overness trust their ability whatever you want to do with them is still going to be there because those guys are a tag team for real like they're, they're like there's no expiration date there so I feel like people do need to like relax there and I and I get it and I want to see them do that stuff but the reason why you can wait is because those guys are as a team aren't going anywhere. They've got three tag team championships. Uh, we already saw what kind of happened with Kenny when he had all those ha- when he had all those titles, but Kenny didn't have the ROH title, which was canonically, you know, theoretically, really is like a, an AEW championship. The FTR have what is a in company title. Plus two other titles from outside companies, one of which is like pretty prestigious in the, in the the um of course the AAA tag team title. No, the the New Japan tag team titles are like considered up there, even if the tag division has been, historically kind of been bad and an afterthought. I think it's still treated with some reverence by some people. Um, and so it is kind of like they don't need <laughs> they don't need the AEW tag team titles. And as you said, we've got time to get there, and you've got the acclaim. Okay, so this is how the fucking the 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 segment goes. Uh, Swerve and our glory come out. The crowd loses their app, loses their mind, loses their shit. Uh, and they're fucking bad guys. Basically, they're basically heels. The crowd still loses their mind when they're coming out. Then FTR comes out, and you were like shocked that the pop is somehow even bigger. But you're like, oh yes, FTR is actually one of the most over acts in the company. Jesus Christ, they've got a lot of tag team titles. What the fuck? Then the acclaimed come out separately. They're not in the match, but they're just gonna sit on the fucking ramp and the chairs. And the crowd pops even bigger. They get the Road Warrior fucking pop. For the acclaimed, and you're like, holy shit, this tag team scene is gigantic. This, like, the, the tag team angles right now is fucking out of this world. Like, it's crazy that you have these three teams that are this big of stars, as far as the, the crowd was concerned here tonight. And it's just like, yeah, like, you don't really need to worry about FTR winning the tag team titles when the acclaimed are getting the biggest fucking pop out of the three teams. Mm. Why not go back to the Swerve on Our Glory match like, like this has already been pretty good twice and give it one more shot and then go from there the acclaim should really get a little bit more kind of established before you just move on to them dropping the tag team titles anyway so yeah it's not all praise though because you know after this you talked about mjf mjf came out and i was on the cusp of saying all these years that i've said mjf under overrated promo underrated worker i think he's actually coming to his own as a promo because i have been enjoying his some of his promo work lately and Jesus Christ, I mean, th- his promo was so fucking bad. The only way it makes any sense is that this is really is intentionally leading to it's a swerve and he's going to go back heel. But he's like playing up the cheesy babyface shit um, and the crowd is eating it up. They look like fucking morons for eating it up. The stuff is intentionally bad and cringe. And even if it is a storyline or it comes across bad and cringe, like, even if it is a storyline where it's intentional and, and this and that, it's still, you have to fucking watch it. I'm watching it and I'm absolutely fucking dying watching it, how mm. bad it is. And the one thing that did cross my mind, I tweeted this out a while ago where I was like, MJF watches wrestling just like me, right? When they kept showing him on the screen, watching the fucking title match between uh, Moxley and Brian. Um, and another one, MJF, he's just like me. Cause not only does he watch wrestling, but he also still does anchorman quotes in 2022 because they literally did an anchorman joke in his promo with him and Renee, I was fucking just losing my mind at how bad it was. I'm just like, Jesus Christ, dude, what is going on here? 
Um, so yeah, MJF, absolutely abysmal promo, fucking just terrible. So when you talked about Swerve being the top heel, I mean, with MJF coming across as much like he's trying to be a babyface as possible right now, Swerve kind of is the top heel. Yeah, uh, that's that's definitely gonna wind up being like a uh, like a like a uh. Like a like a bait like a bait and switch there. It's gotta be, yeah. It's 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 gonna be. Um, eventually, I think it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be be an interesting thing, though, MJF, because I feel like maybe eventually there will be a real baby face turn. And like, here's how how they do it: if they're like being like so self aware and meta with his stuff now, like I wonder if there's gonna be like a boy like a boy cried wolf aspect, like of when he actually turns baby face and. That would interest me a lot because, like, the idea that like no one would actually believe him, whether people on the roster, or the fans, anyone would actually believe it, and he has to prove it. I feel like would actually be a really good story, but it feels like we're still like some time away from that. Um, what did you think of? Well, we didn't get to talk about it. So what did you think of uh, the MJF and Regal and Regal segment from last week? It was solid, but I think people were giving it a little bit too much credit for being too clever and too deep, honestly. Um, mm-hmm. I thought that some of the Regal stuff just really felt like cope, and and you just had to like Regal a lot to just accept it with it like not really making any logical sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that said, I thought that the that was like a solid MJF performance, um, even if I get the idea that like, you know, it was a little bit too babyface for what it for kind of how it was trying to come across and who he's going up against. They're doing um, it, they're doing such a weird thing with him where it's like yeah they're like they're dropping little things in there to like babyface him genuinely, but obviously they don't want you don't feel like they want to babyface him yet. So it's like a weird line they're trying to balance. of we really eventually want to babyface this guy, but. No, still not yet. It's it's been an interesting year for that. Well, if you see the promo that he did on the newest episode, yeah, I'm gonna make sure like, watch it. Like, I worry that Max is gonna lose his fucking mind paying too much attention to the internet. Honestly, mm-hmm. and like, it's funny because you know, for all this time, people have given him so much credit for the whole always being in character and working the gimmick online and stuff. But like, the 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 promo tonight felt too much like a backlash to the critique that last week the regal promo felt too much like a baby face thing. Like in this week, he's like going over the top with it to like kind of react to it. And it just, it, the tone feels so off because the tone last week was like a baby face story, but in a heel context. And this one was like a, like a, a heel pro or I don't even know how to explain it. Like this one was just over the top. Like clearly he's got to be a heel, right? Mm. but he's acting like a baby face. And last week it was like, you know, he is a heel, but he's, or he's acting like a baby face, but he is a heel. It's like, he's just switching back and forth too much. It's becoming very confusing. Uh, did, did, did it feel, did it feel any, any different compared to like, um, so like that, his, uh, that uh, segment in Buffalo with Moxley where that feels more authentic. Like that mm. feels more like, like that's just him. And he's in a city that where the people like him. Here, he's still throwing out jabs and talking shit about the city. You know what I mean? And like I said, he did an Anchorman bit. So he's like trying to be funny, uh, you know, and like it's just like kind of saccharine and all this and that. And he's doing the like, you know, I said I'm going to win the title clean. But, you know, you know, that's relative, guys. You know me. I, ain't I a stinker? 
kind of, you know, I'm the devil and calling calling his fans devil worshipers, all that stuff. You know what I mean? Like, it's just again, oh, it's God. just sacred. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. That's his thing now. Uh, do I have any devil's worshipers out there in the crowd? Like that stuff. It's just like Jesus. Yeah, Christ. That's, uh... <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> I did not know that was a thing. Yes, that's his that's his new thing. Um, but you know, obviously people are very mad about about him calling himself the devil or whatever. That was a whole that was a whole thing. Um Brian versus Guevara was very good. I would recommend that. If you haven't enjoyed a Sammy Guevara match in a while, I would still say check that one out. Uh Rio and Hater kicked ass, obviously, and then everything else has not happened yet. Um WWE bit of news, just wanted to see if this has crossed your Cross your docket if you've seen this. The Rock's kid, The Rock's daughter, debuted in NXT last night. Yeah, or, yeah. So I, I saw, I saw uh, stuff about it, yeah. And she's with Joe Gacy. I said Joe Gacy, man. Joe Gacy ain't going nowhere. Joe, Joe Gacy's Gacy, not going away. Joe Gacy and Grizzled Young Veterans, who are now yeah. fucking... Like, Spooky. <laughs> no, what the, <laughs> the fuck are their names? Oh, uh, they were the Dyad, but now, I mean, there's four of them. Um... God, what is the, there's the name of the group? I can't think of it. Um, but yeah, this is no, like they, no, like they changed their names. Like, oh, their actual names. Yes, yes. Well, I mean, I how could I possibly know that? I don't. I'm not sure. Can like uh, Triple H do like one good thing and like change it? Like just change their names back to Zach Gibson and your name is Drake. Can I? Mean, they, can they just do that? Can they just be that again? <laughs> yeah, that would be fine. Um, yeah, that's. But I mean, yeah, that really shows. I've said it. I've said it before but it's crazy because clearly they really like joe gacy and like the fact that they put the rock's daughter with him means that they really really they, like joe yeah gacy. They, 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 they trust him yeah that's gotta be i mean jesus christ it's crazy it's it's joe gacy what the fuck like, bill, Tom, bill, so bill thompson bill thompson redeemed <laughs> yeah finally after all these years i guess um <laughs> Did you did you end up watching the Revolution Pro? I guess it's New Japan, whatever the um the show that had FTR versus uh, Aussie Open. I saw FTR versus Aussie Open. Yeah. All right. What'd you think? Um, a tad below the Briscoes stuff with FTR, sure. with FTR because I felt like uh, obviously that's like is Dream Match territory. But like it felt a little bit more like authentic in its intensity and like the epicness in um Aussie Open, I still feel like has a little bit of growing to do with some of these longer For matches, sure. even even like even though like I've enjoyed quite a bit of their longer stuff. But I still I still I still really enjoyed it. Um that being said, it's probably I probably have it below. You know, like the FTR Briscoe's matches or um, the FTR Bucks match from Dynamite, but it was really, really, really good. I enjoyed. I I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. The time flew by for me. Yeah, it felt like epic encounter. It felt like Aussie Open on the level of FTR without a doubt. Here, Aussie Open, you know, leapfrogging the places and feeling like a top tag team. Um, Felt like a weird bit on the end with the stuff with Ocon. And this is coming from someone who, you know, was begging for FTR versus Kavan Ocon in the past. But like, I just feel like it's weird to be like Aussie Open were the setup guys to go back to Kavan Ocon is what it felt like they were doing there. And I honestly think that that's that's not the way to go. Like, I love I, I really enjoy the Kavan Ocon team for sure. But I think, I mean, the United Empire have a tag team with with Aussie Open. Like, they do not need to 
force those two together anymore and act like they're a team. Like these guys proved it right here that they're on the level of any tag team in the world. You don't really need us them to be like the secondary tag team in the unit or nothing. Um, but yeah, I mean, absolutely incredible match. Uh, like you said, not, not at the level of the Briscoe stuff, but I mean, very few teams really are as good as the Briscoes FTR clearly incredible, like just really on a fucking roll. Um, and yeah, Aussie Open looking good. Quick, like you when said, we, goes by but feels epic. Go ahead. When we do our top fifty, um, will you have Dax and um and Cash in separate spots? No, not a chance. Not a chance. Really? I don't buy into this Dax thing, man. I just he had a couple singles matches that were good. One of which were, was with. He has a really, he has a really good ones though. He did, he did, he did. But to me, it's not enough to say like it, it warrants really doing that to me. And that's to say that okay. like. FTR could end up in the top five. So that's why, like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to mm. split them up to get them both end up in, in the top 25 when it, looking at FTR on its own, that's like a top five act, probably. Okay. You know I what agree. I mean? Right. I agree. I agree. Cause then it's like, yeah, that's fair. So that's fair. So, like, you couldn't do a thing where, so they're both top 10 and like Cash was, uh, I mean, maybe like, like Cash was like nine and Dax was, five or four like you wouldn't feel comfortable comfortable with that i mean it's possible i haven't made the list yet that could end up being like that but yeah yeah that's curious yeah no i mean that that is a possibility but i don't really see it happening honestly just because i i'd have to double check but i just there are some good dax singles matches but i just feel like not enough there to really warrant going out of your way and yes like i can even devise like divide their performances in the tag team matches but you know, that's just kind of the setup and the dynamic of the team. I mean, Dax is definitely meant to shine more in, in a lot of times in the in the matches, um, not just in the sense that he gets the shines, but like the way that they're set up a lot of times he's doing the bigger stuff. And and he's also then the one who does the like, you know, it's it's a weird it's kind of a cult of personality. It always has been even when they formed the the mechanics in NXT. It was always kind of like the the Dax show. Um in a weird way and like so when, even when they're doing like signature prestige selling bits like the when they did the, the the shoulder injury thing it's dax doing the you know doing the prestige selling bit and getting the focus that's just kind of he's the focus of the team and i don't necessarily think that like wheeler is like necessarily like worse performer it's just the way that it's set up um so yeah i just i'm not thinking too much i mean i, I Obviously, there is some reviewing here that we're going to do where there is some thinking about the list already that's coming out of, you know, the the episode. But uh, I wasn't necessarily thinking about splitting them up, if I'm being perfectly honest. Um, But they could. They could. But I just don't I just really don't see it, especially, like I said, when FTR can end up in the top five. And like, I don't see splitting them up to do that, to have them Mm. top top 10, maybe top 20, you know, like eh, what's I mean, really, what's the point there? Um. Shooter Amino and uh, Shota Amino, the shooter versus uh, Osprey before that. Pretty good. Shooter seems like he actually can be a star. Um, I think that they've got, really got something there and I did not expect it. Um, but yeah, there, there's there's something there. Yeah, and, I, still, uh, I, I, still, I still just want him back in Japan at this point. Yes, like, yes. yes. Like, I just, like, most of these guys, I just want to see them back in Japan now. Like, they've done good work. Some of them are still need more work than others. Like, you know, the Suji is good and but still could use a little a little a little bit more work. Obviously, we've seen New Japan strong guys. I like we all enjoy yeah. them. But like Sh- Shota is definitely 
I've reserved judgment on him really until I got until we see him back in Japan. Right, right. I mean, he looked good in there with Osprey. Os and Osprey. I mean, the opening bit of the match. I'm just, I'm just like, fuck, man. I'm done with Osprey. And it's not even to say that like he can't be good because me and you have reviewed some of his matches and really enjoyed them. But the part that makes it so tough is that he's so people are so fucking polarized on Osprey that like what happens is stuff like this and the way that he was acting in the beginning of this match and the way that he wrestles on like Rev Pro shows in England or even if this is like a New Japan themed show or whatever people treat that like oh it's the same exact osprey and he's wrestling just as good as he is like in the tokyo dome and it's just not really true like you get different kinds of ospreys and that's not even to say that it's bad but you know the pro osprey people are just like every one of his matches is five stars and he's actually the greatest wrestler of all time anyone that disagrees is a fucking moron and then the anti-osprey people are so far the other way that it's like he's actually the most terrible wrestler that's ever existed and and I'm just I'm so fucking like, God, it's so impossible to even like want to talk about, watch or care about his stuff, because to me, I'm just like some matches. He's bad. Some matches. He's good. Like, and that's it. Mm -hmm. And like, I just I can't like like buy. I can't listen to what anyone has to fucking say about the guy anymore. Oh, oh dude, trust. Oh, dude, trust me. Like after like how many times I spent like having to like again, talk like guess what? Catch myself defending Will and wrestling matches yeah. in the slack i'm like dude i don't even want to fucking do this anymore like look i'm, I'm just i'm just not gonna talk about osprey matches i'm just not gonna do it yeah <laughs> and, obviously it's, go. and obviously it's, so, it's probably it's so much worse on twitter like it's like yeah dude i don't no care no not doing it i'm not interested no, <laughs> no. i'm just gonna i'm just gonna i'm just gonna watch this will match if i enjoy it then awesome otherwise i will you will never hear me say a word publicly that's not on the podcast about Will Ospreay match. Yeah, and it sucks because I can't just, like, take somebody's word on it, you know? Because it's just, like, when you listen to the fucking Osprey, like, fanboys, like, Jesus Christ, like, the stats that they give where it's just, like, Osprey has more four-star matches this year than any of the four pillars combined through their entire careers. You know what I mean? Like, that's the level of, like, fucking fanboy that they go for him. And it's just like, <laughs> okay, I can't believe... When you tell me, like, he had a good match, I can't believe you. Because then I go and watch it, and it's like, oh, he's fine. He's, you know, he's a solid wrestler. And then, like, yeah, everyone else, like I said, it's absolutely the worst possible thing who's ever existed in this and that. Um Speaking of the worst possible thing that's ever existed, GCW, man. I tried to um, like do some GCW catch up on the last two shows. Both matches literally had both shows had literally one match that I cared to watch and could make it all the way through. Um, actually, the moments of clarity had I, there was a second match that I did. Actually, there was three matches I watched, but only one of them I enjoyed um, or was like happy that I took the time to watch. Um mm. On the first show, the drop dead, it's just Grisham and Yamato. That's like the only thing that's good. Absolutely great, but the only thing that was worth watching. Um, the next show, Alec Price, SB Kento, fun, but quick. Commander, Shane Mercer, same thing, but absolutely insane. And then Grisham versus Bailey. Uh, at the, that kicked ass. It was finally they had a match that was like as good as their first match in uh, CZW Best of the Best final from oh, really? years and years ago. Yeah, yeah finally had something like just as good or, or maybe better than that um they've only had a couple matches but you know at least they they finally kind of got there again but otherwise i mean jesus christ these are these shows are so fucking bad man i cannot believe people are so into gcw it's crazy yeah still uh four years later uh still 
Like it's, I don't. I mean, I mean, like it's a thing though where I feel like the brand is definitely more the selling point than the actual like workers or people on the show sure. at this point. The experience of saying, "Oh, I went to a GCW show," or being able to say, "Oh, I went to a GCW show," I feel like matters way more to the people that talk about it or say whatever than the actual like product itself. I feel like it's right. way more of a brand thing, which again is strange that they become such a big brand. Like honestly, it's like still blows my mind to see what they've turned into. But I definitely feel like it's way more of a brand thing than anything else. Yeah, that's I mean that's definitely a big part of it. And then stuff like I talked about the commander and Mercer. I think that like stuff like that where like they have they bring in some lucha guys who just have do some incredibly insane stuff like I think gets people's attention and that's what they feel like they're kind of that's what they're paying for that's what they're going out of their way to watch from the company really um but yeah um the did you see any of the the stuff with Athena and like beating up that that Jody was it Jody threat girl and all that hello Oh no, did I lose you? Ah, your mic is muted, I think. Um I had something pop up and it wouldn't go away off my screen. Oh, that's uh, not good. That's not good. Yeah. Not good. Um, um uh like uh, talking about like the the dark the dark match? Yeah, the dark match thing and all that. I've seen the dialogue about it. I haven't seen the match itself. I've seen clips of it. Um I don't I didn't even really bring it up to really even talk about it i brought it up to say that that clip and athena kicking ass sold me on buying tickets to the prestige show in that's in like <laughs> the end of january to see miyu yamashita versus athena um for prestige wrestling back in pomona i saw them announce that match and i got super excited about athena um if she's gonna be just working fucking stiff like that and kicking the shit out of uh miyu yamashita i want to watch that so that was the only reason i brought it up so you know Kick someone's ass on dark, and I will buy a ticket to your show. I guess. Um, I might. I I would definitely uh, am more am more intrigued to watch it now, for yeah. sure. Because you're you so you're definitely in the, of the mindset of people are just being babies about it. Yes. Okay. Safety police bullshit. They're just upset for no fucking reason. Um, there's definitely undertones of some racism there, obviously. Uh, but yeah, whatever. Who cares? I think it kicked ass. Athena, hopefully she brings that shit. She's been actually really good, but hopefully she brings some like toughness here and I can see her kick someone's ass live. Um, speaking of, I guess, women's wrestling, did you watch any of the stardom tournament stuff? The IWGP women's title tournament stuff? No, I didn't. No, I did okay. not. I didn't get to. I didn't, I didn't watch any of that yet. Uh, cool. I plan. I plan on it, but no, not yet. Okay. Anything else before we hit DDT? Uh, other than the fact that I'm still like utterly like baffled by Bray Wyatt, uh, okay. in whatever he's doing. Uh, no, not really. I'm just still don't understand how he is allowed to do the things that he's allowed to do. <laughs> You know, I guess we were wrong though because he popped another rating or something. I don't even. I didn't even follow it enough. He just. To know, he, just I, he just. Came, he just came back. 
I know it's going know. to it's gonna go down. <laughs> I know, but I guess he did get another good rating. So I was I'll say I was wrong for saying that that he only popped one rating and then he failed a little bit later. I guess he got another good rating. So we'll see. Um, yeah, whatever. Bray Wyatt again continuing to baffle the world, not uh, but not in the way that he's trying to, but just in a completely <laughs> different way. Um. I will say before we move to DDT, I do got to do DPW watch. Got to keep that up. Got to keep that going. I am watching Deadlock Pro. Um, Andrew Everett versus Shun Skywalker. Carolina Classic. DPW Carolina Classic. First round matchups. Andrew Everett versus Shun Skywalker. Absolutely rocks. Highly recommend. Uh, SB Kento, BK Westbrook. Really good. Um, and Colby Carino versus Mike Bailey. Another I would re- highly recommend watching. Colby Carino as he continues to transition into becoming his dad, um, just kick-ass worker and a guy who I am is 100% Colby Carino, put it in there. He's my lock of the week. Uh, no, uh, every chance I get to watch a Colby Carino match at this point right now, I'm, I'm taking it because he's doing some really cool stuff. Uh, not necessarily having like the best, best matches in the world, but always a really fun to watch performer and, uh, always doing something interesting there in a world of like a ton of Mike Bailey matches and all this and that, like, Colby Carino actually had a pretty unique and interesting one here, so recommend that. Mm, all, the, all that sounds interesting. Andrew Everett is definitely one of the more fascinating what if guys. Too, yeah. I know we all, we always apply that to like speedball. It was a speedball didn't have his hiccups around the time he did, and I feel like people just kind of forget that speedball probably would have just signed to NXT and uh, right or AAA, I guess. Yeah, like that it's, rumor going around, but. Everett, we just kind of forget that, like how good and popular and sought after he was at that at that point in time, right. and that it's like literally just injuries, like literally just injuries are the only thing that ever held back his career because talent talent wise there was nothing bad to say about Andrew Everett. So I'm go glad ahead. that. Hmm? Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Finish. Yeah, it, it, Sorry. It, it, it's a, and, and, and I'm glad that he's. Uh, seems to be healthier now and being able to put some, put some momentum together and have these good matches because it's never been a talent issue with Andrew ever, ever. It's just the fact that he could really never, ever stay healthy. Yeah. And the good thing is, is with these DPW bookings and, you know, getting the DDT shots and all that coming from, you know, that new legacy or I don't even know. Again, I, you explained this to me. I still kind of don't get what's the podcast. What's a person, what's a Twitch stream with all of this world. But the fact that those guys with their joke, calling him Andrew, the giant turned into like the gimmick turned into like DPW actually being a promotion where he gets bookings based off it. Cause some stupid fucking Twitch stream or podcast making jokes about you and you going along with it is one thing, you know, kind of saw that in the beginning when he was first doing the giant gimmick, but then when they were actually like, oh, you know, we're not just going to be like, oh, we make a joke about you, but we're actually going to book you and turn you into a kind of a featured guy. And then, like I said, that kind of extending to him getting some outside bookings. I think he did like a GCW shot. He did the DDT like good for him. Like you said, a guy who not even just the the time period that you talked about with the Bailey stuff. But don't forget that like Andrew Everett was like 15, 16, chief a kid was hot as fuck for like what it was at the time when indie wrestling was like what it was. It wasn't huge, but was in the Chikara verse, had the Chiva kid thing. And one of the, you know, one of those guys who takes off the mask, leaves the Chikara thing and all that momentum just kind of dissipates. But the Chiva kid was one of the more talked about wrestlers at the time when he was doing that. So, you know, that's another thing where it's like, God, this guy has had such a weird career. That's um, 
that seemed like he was on the precipice of breaking out a few different times and it just never kind of came to fruition and not for a lack of talent. Cause as you said, absolutely phenomenal. And a guy who looking back on it has, you know, some of the best matches that you can remember off the top of your head in the Indies, especially like the match with the, with Trevor Lee that kind of goes down as maybe the, the crown jewel of that legendary Trevor Lee title reign. Um, and you might say that Andrew Everett had the best match in that thing. So, you know, a guy who, doesn't not just has the talent but also was poised to break out multiple times and finally maybe something's going to happen here this time this time hopefully right um speaking again of guys who were like this time hopefully ddt the man the champion kazusada higuchi i mentioned it earlier coming out of this reviews and thinking about stuff higuchi i mean with this title run is making a very strong case for the wrestler of the year thing like I know dude, Moxley's kind of got it. Dude, but... I was I was thinking I was thinking this like after watching both of these shows where you know it, you know it ends like you know they're Higuchi shows basically, especially the especially the uh the uh, get the get alive show. It's like like how much more does Higuchi have to do before like he's at least knocking on Moxley's door? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> he's the he's the closest runner up to me right now. Like just looking at it on paper, it's like Moxley and Higuchi. And there might be a pretty large chasm there, but honestly, Higuchi has got to be the closest person. Like mm-hmm. absolutely incredible performances here across three different matches. Um and the Grand Prix yeah. is coming up. So like Yes. So like, you know, depending on how well he does there, like he that could be a, that could help catch him up some too. But like we still have a bunch of like Higuchi singles matches to look forward to to end the year and yeah he again there still might be a pretty sizable gap but just based off of those of, the, of, of like the matches we're going to talk about in a second it's it's definitely getting to a point like are we sure Higuchi isn't number two this year right I mean the question is yeah like the question really is like who comes up next Where where is it like I don't know it's kind of tough to to say like to say who's the who's really battling with him for the number two spot danielson mm. maybe kind of i don't know like who else is there really uh for me osprey's probably in that in that conversation but sure. um you know that's definitely like always like a your mileage may vary guy but i'd probably say my my, my three right now is probably some combination of moxley Higuchi, and osprey Bailey was kind of in the conversation, but signing with Impact and slowing down kind of disappeared. Um, I think, like I said, Danielson, I think you could do Danielson or Kingston if you're going to do a very, like, particularly, on, like, based on the peaks kind of thing, you know, based on kind of, like, pulling magic out of your ass by getting great matches out of someone like Chris Jericho for Kingston, right? And then, and then obviously both of them in the Anarchy in the Arena match which some people have as their match of the year, or at least was in their conversation at a time. Um, and you kind of have to give it to both of them for that match, really for being stars of it, especially, you know, Kingston. But that did remind, that does remind me of a thought that I did have that crossed my mind for a second earlier today, which is if you were doing, if you're going to vote for feud of the year for, for quantity and like purely quantity and like the fact that there is some quality there like Blackpool Combat Club versus Jericho Appreciation Society kind of would be the feud of the year 
I don't think that there's really anything else that comes close for how long it's been going and the level of matches that it's produced. And then, yeah, that goes into, like I said, Brian Kingston. I could see you having them kind of in the in the top there. Um, and that's really it that I can think of. Who, I mean, I don't know. I was going to say maybe someone from Stardom, but I can't even think of who. I like, mean, if you're if you're big into Sherry, then uh... I yeah, I guess I could see Shuri. I could see Saya Kamatani, maybe. Um, but even still, that seems I don't. It seems a little early for her. I could see her for more like MVP, you know, like that the the secondary award, um, mm-hmm. more than wrestler of the year. But yeah, I mean, I think yeah, I think the the big three of Mox, Higuchi, and Osprey makes a lot of sense. Um. And I don't even know that I necessarily have Osprey there, but I could definitely see it. Um, but yeah. So you mentioned the 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 King of DDT, right? Is that the one that's coming up? Um, no, the the, 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 that's the Grand Prix is coming up. The Grand Prix. So there's a trios match before the um before the main event tag team title match on uh, Get Alive that I could not for the life of me figure out. Oh, actually, you know what? That is wrong. It's the trios match. Um, before the main event or before the universal title match on God bless. So we'll get to that later. Anyways, on, we watched the main event segment basically from get alive, uh, Hari Mao versus damnation TA um, of Daisuke Sasaki and Canon, the namesake of the episode. And uh, I think this spoke to what I talked about recently with Canon being at this level. I thought that this was a really good kind of putting him in there with the main eventers in a situation where it's believable because he's got damnation around him and he did not feel out of place and feel right at the level sh- trading with Higuchi. Higuchi obviously is amazing at making anyone look like they're just as good as him, uh, which is crazy because sometimes he comes across like the biggest monster in the world, but yet he's the most human motherfucker on the planet. Um, Naomi Morafuji is starting, or uh, Yoshimura is starting to really like come into his own, I think in the Hari Mao cl- group actually starting to feel like he's got some star power, absolutely coming across like a fucking wrecking ball, power moves, crazy spots, throwing his own, uh, his own stable mate uh, or young boy uh, over the top rope at his opponents. Um, yeah. Sasaki, obviously kind of the, the guy who's always in the right places and kind of helps keep the flow of things together and really, you know, not you know backbone whatever in the spots where he needs to be some people might call him the glue of the match he was definitely right there in the spot just four guys who all really come together working at the top of their abilities to put together a pretty kick-ass match that's like high octane got some good story stuff with the hand selling from higuchi higuchi coming back from the brink you know exactly what you want to see they're playing off of a hand injury that came in came into being from a show prior and uh, and just really a kick-ass tag team title match and a uh, and a tag team kind of uh, whatever like challenge storyline build up and all that. But what did you think of the the tag match? Again, uh, your like your biggest big takeaway was Cannon, and that's the same thing. The same thing with me here. Um, Cannon and Higuchi has some great chemistry. Uh, they had some really awesome chemistry, and I would like to see that explored some more for sure. I love their interactions together. Um, I like the dynamic between Higuchi and Yoshimura. Uh, obviously, Higuchi is a, a big tank type of guy, but still has those other qualities that make him such a well rounded performer. So, I kind of like seeing Higuchi 
in a position where he's the senior and has this other young bulldozer guy with him. I think that's make that makes for an interesting dynamic compared to like Higuchi's other tag team partners, whether it's been Speedball or uh or Saka or Sakaguchi. It's a different role for him now. And I think that they're starting to starting to figure it out. But yeah, like my big takeaway was the canon and Higuchi interactions and wanting to see more of that pairing. And really still being so taken aback and just stunned at how good Higuchi is at selling. And this wouldn't even be his best selling performance of the night. No. And that's like a testament to just how good Higuchi is right now and how good and special he's always been is that he has a, a like a match like this where he's in there with a guy who just started like getting pushed in DDT this year. And he comes across like that's a guy who could be on his level or will be on his level someday. And a lot of that has to do with how Higuchi sold for him. Yeah. And got to say, you know, Cannon being a, a JTO guy, another, you know, just another example of the JTO kind of system seemingly producing just incredible talents who like can plug and play, like show up in any company and instantly like fit in and be like a, like at the top of the card pretty quickly there. Um, and not like, you know, seamless, just JTO is really training or doing some good training down there, I guess. Um, but yeah, like Higuchi ability to yeah, take this guy who seems like he's got something there. There's some kind of physical charisma. His stuff has got some snap to it. And like you said, make, take like the, the man, the world beater that his Gucci, the champion and have him come down to his level. And then the post-match, they start their post-match promo. Harimo is kind of doing their thing. And Higuchi is talking about how proud he is and who comes out, but Shinya Aoki. So you go from, like you said, new to the company, fucking rookie being looking like he's on his level to now you've got this fucking seasoned shooter. Who's got a weakness. He's got a target with the hand and, you know, I guess I guess it's an NFT, which I think that there was a post-match promo where our our king and our god of Higuchi says uh, that, you know, this proves that NFTs are clearly worthless because Aoki cashes in his NFT, his right to challenge NFT, and absolutely annihilates Higuchi's already injured hand, just going after it constantly. But Higuchi with the fucking killer finish... Um, oh my god, I loved this so much. The drama where Higuchi is looking for the claw, but his hand is too fucked up. He can't figure it out early on. And then finally, at the end of the match, he catches Aoki in the mid, you know, midair, pl- plucks him out of the sky, has him in position, and you can almost see this is why Higuchi is so amazing. Because again, when they talk about playing to the bleachers, playing to the cheap seats, you know, selling to the camera, whatever, like you you can almost see the wheels turn in his head. He catches Aoki, plucks him out of the sky. He's got him there in position as Aoki was jumping up looking for the um for probably a flying uh triangle. And as Higuchi's got him up there, after he couldn't figure out how to get him up for the brain claw slam because his hand was too fucked up, you real you see him like realize he figures it out like, oh my god, all I have to do is put this claw on his head and slam him down, and I've already got him. I've already got him here. So finally, like he built it up. And then he got there and you like, you can watch him figure it out. It's so awesome. You're there with him. And then that's not the finish because no, he picks him back up and just big clonking, disgusting yeah, headbutt. Just, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and the referee instant he's out. And so, yeah, you go from rookie 
to Shooter, and he fucking kills him with the knockout headbutt. Amazing stuff. But yeah, Quentin, I feel like I've 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 t- taken on the floor for much too long. Feel free. Oh uh, no, you're, yeah, you're good, man. You pretty much know everything that I want to say. There is, you see, he's already hurt because uh, Cannon worked on his ribs uh, a lot dur- a lot during the match. So he's coming in banged up, not just the regular fatigue of having worked a match already, and then having Aoki specifically attack certain body parts and wear him down in his own specific way too. And yeah, you're like you're watching him figure it out in real time, and just the way they approach the finish is just so cool. It's just man, they they Kaguchi just has the room to just has the room to do such creative stuff, you know, like. The headbutt here, a claw slam. He can go back to the regular claw hold if he wanted to. The the sumo the sumo attack that he used. Um, who did who did he beat? What did he did he beat? Uh, Takashi up with that the sumo the, the yeah. sumo attack. Yeah, yes, yes. Like he he just has so much that he does and is credible, and they they build to so well that like it never feels out of place when it happens and on top of this like we've talked about with this guy forever he can be this big hulking monster that can fucking annihilate you with these incredible looking like claw slams and this wicked headbutt and then also is so seriously one of like the top three sellers in wrestling right now like and has been for six years yeah. <laughs> like like yeah. that's like that's how good this guy is so like uh, the get the get alive show was definitely just a testament to how amazing this guy has been the whole time, uh, and just letting him go out there and be the fuck and be the fucking guy because he can go he can go out there and do it he can go out there and do enough to make everything interesting. Going back to the tag match, like we didn't even mention and credit to the other guys in the match, but like how like intense the interactions between Yoshimura and Cannon were. Yeah. Like, like that, like carry the early portions of the match and other stuff because those two would come in and just start beating the ever living shit out of each other. Well, yeah, that's like why Cannon is, like I said, it's really stood out there because yeah, he was like able to be frenetic and frenetic with uh, Yoshimura, but then he was also able to be domineering and dominant over Higuchi, and both things are like again beyond his years and beyond what you would think his push is. Where I just say like, this guy's ready to be top of the card for GDT level kind of guy. Yeah. Yeah, I'm. I'm curious to see if he's if he's gonna wind up getting a Grand Prix spot. I know they sometimes don't want to rush guys into those things. Like I didn't want to rush Ueno into it. I didn't want to rush Yoshimura into it. But I wonder if he gets a Grand Prix spot. I would like. I would really like. I'd really be interested to see what he does with it. Yeah, and like I said, like he's just got a lot of charisma, and and they could really use somebody like him right now. Um, he definitely helps freshen up Damnation because. You know, they can be a little bit stale. He has really added a lot to that group, like I said, just because of the charisma and then what he's bringing to it that's pretty unique. But uh, either way, then we'll move on to God Bless DDT. I don't know how much of this you really want to talk about from the full show. Did you watch the full show? I didn't, I didn't watch the full show. Um, okay. We talked about, like, doing the main, like, the main matches, but then, like, really the main matches, like, again, again this is, like, another Haguchi thing where, yes. like, the card was pretty light. In like I there's there's stuff on here that was interesting. I thought Ueno versus Takeda was inter was interesting. It was pretty good. But, yeah, like it was it was it was good. But just again with you know it, it's it's 
it's interesting to see Ueno's growth and be in there with another person uh, who is not just like the typical top of the class guys in uh, in D- in DDT. Someone that's someone that's newer, someone that's uh all lower lower down the totem pole, and seeing seeing what he does, seeing what he does in there. So it was a good performance from Ueno, and then. I yeah. watched the Brooks, Yoshimura, and Yuji Hino versus Mao, Endo, and Yukio Naya. Was, that was that was really fun. I enjoy I enjoy I enjoyed that for what it was. But again, this is like they've the cards have been a little weak, um, and I'm yeah. not sure if that's um what's the what 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 it is for that. If they're, they're just like making sure that there's nothing really taking like you know to take away from. Haguchi shine because they're so adamant on pushing him if they're wanting to save stuff as we're going into Grand Prix and then eventually top of the year stuff like uh like sweet dreams and never mind if they want to like hold off on stuff and uh and judgment so if they're holding off on big matches but these like you know last few months of the sh- of few months of the year shows have been really all about Haguchi and even with that added pressure, Higuchi is going out there and just delivering in such insane ways where we talked about the Takashita match. I talked about how much I love that match. This Sakaguchi match is like just as good. And again, like that's just in a few in a few weeks span, this guy had two matches that are like top 20 of the year, top 25 of the year level for me. And yeah. He could feasibly do it more. And this is obviously the tag team. The, the tag team has been so great for a for a few years now, finally going at it. And it's just as good as you'd expect. But it's like, God damn, man, like this guy just had this level of match with Takashita a few weeks ago and he's right back at it again. Yeah, no, it's it's pretty nuts. Um the the trios match that you mentioned there, I was like kind of one. I was like so fucking confused with it because I was like trying to figure out the pairings and what the fuck was going on with everyone. I was like, what's the point here? And then you had like this weird Endo Mao kind of rivalry with they're on the same team thing going on. And I was I was really trying to figure out because like the alignments and the stables are a little awkward right now because of there being the mix up with Hari Mao and all that. Um, and then I looked into it and did a little research. And so this trios was meant to be a um uh grand prix like a preview match so the idea was that all six of these guys are in the grand prix and they're all vying for the top spot and that's what the post-match promo stuff was all of them basically saying that they're gonna win and mao and and uh uno having like their little like bickering back and forth stuff they were both saying they're gonna win and all this so i did find that kind of interesting because i'm like okay like these six guys and the stuff that we saw here as a preview for the Grand Prix was actually kind of cool because everything in here was good. Like, I liked what was going on with everyone. Like, you you mentioned it. Like, there's stuff here, but really, there was a lot to really like here. Everyone had, you you know, their, their defined characters, their defined characteristics. Everyone interacting with each other was, was clean and had, like, something to it. Yukio Naya, I meant I said this months back that I'm intrigued and interested on what's going on with him, and I think that he's actually really fucking improving. He's looking great, like not great, but Naya is looking so much better than he was. Like he was the dog shit, he was the drizzling shits. Another one of these giants. Also, he's like a weird nepotism case because his 
grandfather and his father were really famous and all this stuff. Oh, oh God, this guy sucks. And now he does not look out of place. He looks fucking awesome here, kicking ass with, you know, trading big shots back and forth. He's got some personality in the end. Like, yes, he's still pretty awkward, but honestly, is he that much awkward than like Big R was at this point in his career? Not really. Big R was like kind of awkward early on too. And then eventually he kind of came into it and I just can kind of am seeing Naya really coming together. So like, I actually thought that this was really cool and did get me pretty excited for the Grand Prix, knowing that that was the whole point of this was building up to the Grand Prix and these six guys all kind of vying for, I'm going to win this thing. Um, so that was that was pretty cool. Like you said, Yuena and Takeda, like, obviously Takeda is in pheromones and I do have a boycott on watching pheromones matches, but this was special because there is history between the two, former partners, former friends. The point was to like kind of play off of that. And Takeda was pretty serious. You know who Takeda really reminded me of in this match? And obviously some of it had to do with he was even doing the Monster Express hand motions was Uha Nation um, with just how smooth he was. He was basically being the guy who was like able to be just as fast as UNO, but was so much stronger, showing off the physique, all of that. But UNO was able to kind of eventually like out clever him, eventually being able to figure it out and win. And like you said, be the veteran and be the person who's, you know, been at this longer and is able to stand there and he's able to take one more shot. You know, Takeda can throw all these and look great, but he's not able to withstand as many as UNO. And, and you know, you get down that one more time, you get up that one more time. And that's why you end up being the victor, basically, is the idea there. Basically, you know, fighting spirit and and the whole nine yards. So really enjoyed it for that. What I'd like, is this going to end up in my top, you know, 100 of the year list? Definitely not. Um, and then, as you said, the main events, Sakaguchi and Higuchi. Um, did you did you kind of give all your thoughts on the match, the main event? Or do you want to kind of talk about I mean, it now or, or I mean, talk I mean, about any of all that that I just went off on? Uh, you got the got the little the uh, undercard stuff. I gave them a, a basic little breeze through on Higuchi, Sakaguchi. But um, they have insane chemistry. Obviously, they beat the they beat the shit out of each other in. This is the best Yukio has looked in a while. Like maybe since that Yuena match from last year or whatever or what or whenever it was. Um this is the best I had seen him in a singles match in quite a in quite a bit. So I was excited to see him turn it on here the way that the way that he did and just man, Higuchi's so Higuchi is so fucking good, man. Like he's like a generational guy. He I feel like He's one of those guys where genuinely you drop him off in any era and he delivers in any era. If you drop if you drop him off in the in the in the 70s and you put like him and Jumbo Saruta next to each other, then like I'm not like I'm like I'm honestly like not sure who you who you pick. Like, oh, who's gonna be the guy that I build around? Do I build around Jumbo Saruta or like Kazasada Higuchi? And like I get that on paper, it sounds insane, and you can say like Jumbo opens a door for someone like Higuchi to exist, but like, not like, like, like again, he, I think he's that talented. You drop him off in the seventies, the eighties, the nineties, the early two thousands. Like, I feel like any time period you drop Kazusada Higuchi off in, I feel like he becomes one of the best wrestlers in Japan in any era, any timeline, any, whatever that you want to think of any scenario I feel like there's nothing that stops Kazusada Higuchi from becoming one of the best wrestlers in the world. And it's only a matter of him being given the ball to go out and do those things. And I love the finish here 
two, uh, Yukio just comes at him with these kicks and strikes to the face, and but and bashes up and bloodies Higuchi's nose, and he they have this great camera shot, and he comes up looking like a monster with his face all bloodied, and he finally gets a hold of Sakaguchi and hits him with a wicked looking claw slam, and takes some time before going and getting the pin on him too, which may be odd to some people, but really puts over one, how fatigued and exhausted and the kind of ass whooping that Sakaguchi put on Higuchi, but also puts over that claw slam so much that even with the time it took for Higuchi to finally go over there and be able to make the cover, that Sakaguchi was still down for the count. So I loved so much about this. The Higuchi title matches of pays so much attention to detail and building things up and yeah i thought this this was just as good as you'd expect or hope for the fact that this is these two guys the best tag team ddt has had in a long time facing facing each other and it was the exact type of fireworks that you'd expect yeah this was a really interesting match for me because as it was starting and as it was going I was really not feeling it. I was just, I was questioning Higuchi and the way he was acting. And I was just like, it felt like he was dying and he wasn't focusing and he wasn't bringing it and he wasn't basically being Higuchi. And it wasn't like, when I say that, it's like Higuchi sells his ass off all the time. I'm not saying he has to constantly be dominant, but he was just, it felt like he was not, he was being very trepidatious and he wasn't in the fight. And then as the story progresses, like, obviously that was kind of meant to be the story, but I was just like, not really feeling it. I was just like, I don't, I don't like this. I don't like the idea that he's not bringing it to him. Um, And then as it progresses, and like you said, like Sakaguchi is just beating the shit out of Higuchi and Higuchi is just like, kind of comes across kind of like he's taking it. And just giving it back when he needs to, basically. And then it, he just continuously develops where eventually it's like, it's time to put him down. And you talked about the nose and the blood and the facial selling. It's like not since like the peak of Thatcher, you know, for the, being the best facial seller in the fucking world. Have we seen somebody like this? Haguchi with the facial selling when he comes up with the bloody nose and, and the, the way that he looks, it's just so fucking epic. And it's great because... Earlier in the match, I thought about it, and I don't know about you, but if you ever like kind of broken your nose or busted up at your face, you don't necessarily always know that you're bleeding. You know, you don't necessarily know. But the way that he starts the cell and the way that he starts the facials when he comes up with the blood as it's really dripping down his face, you can tell you can tell that he's feeling it and he and he knows what's going on and he's like really developing it. But it's like earlier in the match, there was a there was like a kind of a kick, and it was like one of those like kind of toe kicks where it caught just right where you could think like maybe he got busted open and you could see that he checked he he wiped his forehead and then he looked at his hand to see if there was blood and there wasn't and then later on when the blood is flowing he doesn't even have to check and he's really selling it and you could almost i could almost think i was like oh god i hope he knows that he's bleeding i hope someone tells him i'm like looking to see did the ref say something is sakaguchi gonna tell him that he's bleeding because it's not in his eyes because where it's coming out of in his nose his fucking nose is clearly busted like maybe it's just a, a surface wound but it's like it's probably his nose is busted and 
it's like, does he even fucking know? And it doesn't matter because he was going to play this amazing emotional fucking finish. He's like almost crying at the end when he's putting Sakaguchi down with the claw slam and that trepidatious start and that feeling where I was like, God, why is he just taking this? Why is he not fighting back? Why am I not seeing the fire? It pays off in the end because not only is it like he has to put down his you know former senpai that now clearly he's better than clearly you know he's the big brother you know after sakaguchi was trying to big brother him leading into this like haguchi has come over the top he's much better it's his time he's the fucking man he's the double champion you talked about the focus of ddt feeling like it's all on haguchi well it's like it's kind of hard he's the double champion um the you know you've got Ueno with the universal title and then you've got Janela with the extreme title who's gone basically so you don't have even that title he's got the tag team titles you don't really have much else like Haguchi is it and he's what the show is built around so yeah like the rest of the card is a little light but we'll see with the Grand Prix I think that that will fill out like talked about that trios match feeling like something but yeah like he puts him down emphatically tears in his eyes blood dripping down out of his fucking nose and it all makes sense in the end i was like god what's going on here i don't want to see fucking haguchi just like taking an ass kicking from from sakaguchi and not responding and then by the end of it he he got me in there emotionally invested and that's it and then yeah coming out of this the only thing i could think of is this is like he's got to be the number two wrestler of the year i'm just i'm so I'm so committed to Moxley's, you know, first three quarters of the year, basically feeling like this incredible thing that Higuchi winning the title and the run that he's been having is is so great that he's catching up. But I don't know if he's quite there. Got to kind of back through and look at everything. But it's just he's right there. He's everything that I always talk about that I want, which is like the big time ace champion who feels like he's got the company on his back, double champion. And it's like Moxley, unfortunately, had that hiccup with the punk bullshit and losing the title and all that stuff that just kind of felt like, God, like it really hurt. It really hurt his prestige as the guy, even if it's, you know, just in the booking in real life, he was always the guy and he was the champion and he was it. Um, So it's kind of like, yeah, he's he's definitely the guy. Um, So it's just the Gucci, the strong number two. And it really sucks because, you know, he's been doing so well, especially for my ratings. I've wanted this for so fucking long and it's just, he's just, it's just a hump that he just can't quite finish. Um, He just can't make it to the top. I don't think we'll see now. I know obviously by the time that this would happen, we'll have already done the top 50 of the year list, but if somehow Higuchi is the champion when DDT comes to America and if, if, if they can talk, him into getting on a plane as he told our good friend joseph that he does not like flying in planes if i got to see higuchi live as the ddc champion i will probably die it will be the most amazing <laughs> fucking experience in my life yeah i don't think there's any chance it's going to happen but i'm keeping those fingers crossed and if it does i am going to go back and retroactively say that he was the wrestler of the year for this year even though that'll happen next year so just keep that in mind <laughs> well I'm all for it. He's definitely a guy that I would just love to see that like um again if I go I go to Japan anytime soon that I'm probably just not going to see. But he's definitely on that on that list of guys that like I really, really badly uh wanna see. Like now after uh, I got to see Walter, he became like my guy now that I wanna go see. 
Yeah. And I mean, he has wrestled in America before. I know he, I know he told Joseph that he doesn't like coming to America or he doesn't like flying, but he has come to America in the past. So it's not like out of the question. I also put him on a, put him on a boat. Yeah. Fuck it. Why not? Um, but yeah, that was, uh, Absolutely phenomenal. Higuchi. I mean, obviously this show has been pro Higuchi for a very long time. It almost feels like pointless to even do the, continue to do this, continue to push. But I just don't know how anyone is not like a huge fan of this guy. Really? Like, yeah. It's, I mean, it's, like you said before, like if there's anyone that's like not into Higuchi, it's genuinely just the promotion he wrestles in. And sure. having and like having whatever like like blinders on because of the promotion that he wrestles in because if he was doing the same like he could be having the exact same matches in big japan and people would and he and know people that like aren't giving them attention or aren't talking about them would love these matches that they're having in big japan like that's just the reality of it because people still like they can't just ignore the aspects of ddt that they don't like for some reason they can't just parachute in and just enjoy what they want to see and leave they have to like talk about how much they don't enjoy DDT as a company and the rest of the stuff they do. And it's like, okay, cool. Just don't watch it. Right. Because literally if you put, if you put Higuchi, if you put Higuchi versus, uh, versus Sakaguchi on like any like big Japan Corkin show or when big Japan was, was stable enough to run those sumo hall shows for, uh, for, for their, for their, for their, for their big, for their big events or something like that. Like, you like like you might maybe talking about this as like match of the year stuff, but because it's right. DDT and because they have whatever issues with DDT and its lack of seriousness and the comedy and the goofiness, like it'll just get it'll just get ignored, and Higuchi will get ignored by a lot of people. But like it's just it's just a fascinating thing that like this guy can be doing what he's doing stuff that could, would that should be loved by anybody, like pretty much like. This big, this big sumo guy that that has, that has an extremely unique move set and skill set can sell the way that he does. Has big bomb fest matches. Can be super athletic and work with smaller guys. Can be a great base. All those things can literally do anything that you want out of, out of a pro wrestler. But because he does it in DDT, he just doesn't get talked about. Right. Same thing with Takashita. Same thing with Takashita. You know, same thing with same thing with Takashita. Like. Suddenly, Takashita is one of the best wrestlers in the world. When what I had Takashita in my top ten back in twenty eighteen, yeah. right? Like it's Hiroshima as well. Like it's yeah, Hiroshima. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People that will just never appreciate Hiroshima because of the company that he did it in, or because of how he looks. It's like I'm sorry if you watch Hiroshima. I don't know how it'd be insane to like have that guy in like my top fifty, top sixty ever because he's gonna be there. Like, like he like yeah. he, he like he's gonna be like it's it's a whole thing where just people like they just for some reason they just can't appreciate DDT. Well, and this is something that I was going to bring up because there's you know rumors and obviously new uh, WWE is sniffing around Japan again and they're talking about doing WWE Japan as happening you know whatever and how you know back in 2019 2018 they were trying to to buy a japanese wrestling company to be the base of it instead of trying to start their own thing there because there's a ton of reasons why but you know obviously you know whatever but the pandemic has probably made it where companies that 
you know, three, four years ago were saying said no are now at the point where they're going to say yes. Like all Japan, big Japan. Like, are you telling me that they're really going to say no to the kind of money that WWE is going to offer at this point? Mm-hmm. So, so you people can say and feel however the fuck they want about Higuchi and all the things that people said over the years. I loved hearing people be like, Higuchi would be so much better off if he was doing this in big Japan or Noah or all Japan. But he made the right choice because in, you know, 2022, DDT is a much bigger company than any of those other companies. And DDT is not going to sell to WWE. And meanwhile, I would not be shocked if basically any of those other companies sell to WWE at this point. So, I mean, you could say whatever you want and have all these issues with WWE or with DDT, but they're doing something right because they're actually drawing. They're actually like having decent shows. They have fans and they're not knocking on death's door to the point where I'm like, who knows if they're going to exist in six months? Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's a, it's a constant struggle. It's a constant thing. And, uh, like I said, for some reason, people just can't ignore what they don't like about DDC. Right. It's a like they like they like they have to talk about it. They have to talk about the fact that they don't like the comedy and like whatever else. And it's like you parachute in for any other promotion. Well, I don't know why it's such a hard thing to just do it for DDT, but right, yeah. And it's but, so stupid because it's like fucking Western fans and WWE and AEW both have stupid comedy and wild, stupid, you know, like fucking my- mystical, spooky shit all the time. Anyways, Quentin. I'm yes, going I'm off gonna. on another diatribe. It's not yeah. time for this. It's time for us to head out. Um, anything else you want to hit on before we before we go? Nope. I'm good. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at QT underscore Moody. You can follow Tim at Bone Dog's Wife. You can follow the podcast network at WDKWPN. And if you're feeling as so kind to, you can donate to us on coffee. Uh, that's it for me. Uh, what are they going to fund? For... Where's our trip this week? I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, what, what, what are we funding this time? Yeah, I like. I uh, always like that. That's been a good. That's been a good sign up. Oh, uh, see, so I couldn't really. I, there was nothing in particular in my head, but I'm thinking that just to bring back an old bit, I want them. I want them to fund our uh, our trip to Ghana. So uh, yes. Sam, give me this first black person. Anyway, <laughs> um, thank you all for listening. Hope you here next time. Mad, mad, gonna catch you quick with the.
officer on Valley Point In the black and white thinking he's gonna check him out wrong It's gonna be on That pink better sock out like chrome Ain't to the motherfucking K You know what's up, And by the way, you get the hole in your head A fucking hole in your head Central and the West Side. 